My room, then. There has to be some space, finally, that I claim as mine, even in this time. Welcome to the Ofcast, a Handmaid's Tale reader. I'm your host, Elsie. And I'm your host, Max. And today we're talking about Chapter 9. Hmm. It's a relatively short chapter. Yeah. If I may, uh, Elsie, real quick, if I may give you some uh, funny story I had that happened to me yesterday regard, uh, regarding this particular book. Um, mm-hmm. I, was go- I was seeing a movie. Uh, uh, one uh, singular movie. And there was a preview <laughs> for The Handmaid's Tale Season 3. I don't know that might date the episode. And I was so thoroughly confused by everything that was happening. Like, <laughs> I was just like, what? How do we get here? I mean, I know it's, I, I, I know for a fact that The Handmaid's Tale Season 1 is the is the adaptation of the book, but how even do these characters get to that? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even, like, I'm really glad I didn't hear any character names that I recognized outside of Offred, so... I mean, at least I, should, I haven't I, had anything spoiled. I, I'm kind of curious. Like, what what do you think is happening in that trailer? They're preparing for a literal revolution against uh, Gilead. Yeah, no, she's like becoming Katniss Everdeen. It's 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 really something. And I'm wondering if that's like I I don't know. I'm not going to make a full answer to that until we reach the end of the book. But I'm wondering if that's like true to Alfred's character in the original work. I'm 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 wondering that for myself. I I don't think so. But mm. I've also seen how her character is adapted in the first season, and I don't think it's true to the book. So. Hmm. That's just me. But, like, there's just so many new characters in that trailer. Like, what, what, like tell me more about your opinions about that trailer. Um, I, I can't remember. Like, I heard character names, but I didn't recognize those character names. And they didn't even sound that much like Handmaid's Tale names. Like, mm-hmm. and I also remember just, I mean, there was that that big shot with the giant cross. And, you know, oh, they're yes, all standing. Oh, the Washington Monument. Which is weird because if they're leading, if they're starting a revolution, then like, is it, are, are they being led or are they marching themselves or like, and then also, Alfred seems to be taking a lot of charge. I mean, I don't know. She doesn't, she seems to be a pretty passive character. Like maybe not Nick Carraway levels of passive yeah. so far, but she's not very active. And I don't know if her like trying to start up a revolution is entirely like, at least so far. And let's see, I'm, I'm trying to remember like very dramatic music. And, like, it all seemed very tense, and that's not really what The Handmaid's Tale has been to me so far. Maybe it's maybe it changes. Who knows? But it seems, to- like, it doesn't really come off like The Handmaid's Tale, more so like in just a drama that uses character names and uh, and, and set and costuming yeah, they and the, scenario. Yeah, they costuming, right? Yeah. Um, no, no disrespect, though. Adaptation is adaptation. If you go to my yeah. YouTube channel, every freaking video I do is about adapting stuff so whatever but it was just a very strange experience and I'm glad that it, that we were so off from where the handmaid's tale was that I uh, I have no I I have nothing spoiled for me so far except Offred survives I guess I don't know yeah um, even that um yeah, yeah no I, I well for the the listeners at home, I will be tuning into to to season three, and who knows, I might make some videos about it, like I did with season two. So, I can't wait to be to to finish this podcast and then actually watch the ep, the the show, so I can then watch your videos about it and understand what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, we're nine chapters in, and The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 hype is upon us, and I have no context for anything that's happening, which is fun. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, chapter nine then, right? Yes, chapter nine. Uh, let's see. What... What, what we got here? We're really living up to what this part of the book is called, waiting room. Yeah. Because it, it is the, literally the description of her room, but in more detail. Mm-hmm. Um, she just thinks about previous experiences she's had in similar looking rooms. Not even similar looking rooms, but in, in rooms where she doesn't really have ownership of it, but it's mm-hmm. technically speaking her space. Because she, she compares her room to hotel room. Oh, we should, like, do a proper summary, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, probably. I guess. Ugh, ugh. I say as though, like, there's anyone who's going to hold us to the form that we created for our podcast. Um, Yeah, so what happens in this chapter is that Alfred thinks about the hotel rooms in which she met up with Luke. And um, then uh, talks about exploring the the room that that she has now finally decided to call her room. Um, and finding writing from the previous Offred and imagining what the previous Offred was like and trying to ask questions about her but not getting any response. Man, I, there comes a time in every person's life when they finally accept that the room they live in is called their own room. I, I know it took me six years to come around to calling the room with the blue wallpaper as Max's room. I can tell you that. Really? No, not at all. I don't think anybody's ever had... That that is a very weird childhood experience that is not universal, Max. Well, yeah, it just speaks to how, like, off the... Like, how off-key this whole world is that it's taken so long for Offred to accept that the room that she just stays in is her own. Because she doesn't... I get that it's sort of like a fear, like, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to normalize it. She doesn't want to make it seem like it's, you know, that she owns this life that is clearly not really, like, hers. It's somebody, you know... That it's some vague approximation of what somebody else thinks a woman like her should be doing. So, coming around to like being like, you know, this is my room. Is it, You could see it as something of a defeat. A defeat for the individual, uh, yeah. Alfred. Well, but I think that, as we saw in the previous chapter, her calling it her room really comes out of um, the commander showing up there. Mm-hmm. And very primally sort of laying claim to it, all of a sudden she has decided to reclaim her room and say that it is hers. Um, and that actually saying that it's not her room um, is is ceding ground to the, the, the commander. Yeah, um, that, that makes sense. Um, it seems to be a, a theme of... Um... What like of possessiveness, like of what yes. is and isn't hers. She's in a hotel room that isn't her room. She's with a man that isn't hers. You know that whole thing, like yeah. It's is this the first chapter where it's mentioned that Luke uh, was married when they started going out together? Yes, this is the first time. Ooh, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts about that, Max? Well, my first thought was, man, Nathaniel Hawthorne would have loved this bit, and uh, my second thought was, you know. That actually doesn't surprise me that much because it always because the book has kind of been leading up to the idea that Alfred seems to be taking the place of other people, mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, yeah. As she is, what is she the third handmaid for this particular commander? Is that right? No, we don't know how many previous Alfreds there there have been. Oh my god. Um, oh my! That just dawned on me that there are other Alfreds. It never occurred to me that Alfred yeah. is just a like is a name that wow, never, never even registered. Wow. That that actually reinforces the theme even more. The, the name, I mean, it wasn't hers, but now it's definitely not hers because it's like, 
so many. I mean, Fred is a is a very very common. Yeah, sure, it's a common. But name. there there have been other off Fred, whatever Fred's last name is, in the exact same position in the exact same yeah. room, which she comments on as she like looks exactly. around and sees the the yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, we we know that this is this is her third po- posting, but we have no idea how many previous off Freds there have been. Um. And I think this is also really the first time that there there is mention of there being a previous Offred because mm-hmm. there's a, a message left. For yeah. What is this? What off-red? is this moon? What? What? I was, I just, what is this moon? Props to any of the film buffs who ah, got that one. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I got that reference. I understood that. Oh, awesome. I don't know how popular moon is amongst the not pretentious film student crowd. So I, <laughs> I don't know, like, it, you know, 10 years Well, my mother, my mother will be upset that we talked about another property that she's unfamiliar with again. Go see Moon. It's a great movie. Except uh, replace the, 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 the voice of the robot in the movie with somebody else's in your mind and you're good. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and so we have, we have this, this message that is not in English that um, Offred doesn't really understand, but she's like, it's... It's mine, mm-hmm. um, and the 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 message is "Nolite te bastardes carbondorum." Title drop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, title drop for this episode. Yeah. Um, now I was now before we started recording, you were very insistent that this would be the title of the of the episode, and I was like, "What does it mean?" And you were pretty like hesitant about saying what it was actually about. Yeah, because we're we're gonna well, we might get the answer to that question later on. Also, awesome. if if anyone in the audience knows Latin, you can you can translate it. But um, I mean, I have a pretty good idea of what the third word is, but that's all I got. <laughs> oh man! No, I'm just like, okay, time to do some co- conjugations. <laughs> yeah, I I. I I do that with a lot of words that, like, I don't recognize. Like, I'm like, is there something in this word that I sort of remember from other words? There we go. Yeah. Okay, now I have a better context. I have a better frame of reference. Um, but, yeah, so and she she describes it as a message in writing um, and that it's it's her communication with this unknown woman. Which oh. is something, like, one another, like, there's a recurring thing I've been talking about where, like, Offred is, like, the most hashtag relatable character ever. Because she thinks about the past and, like, previous stories told in her same spaces the same way I do. Yeah. Like, 100%. I think about this stuff all the time. Like, even, like, the houses that I've stayed in. Like, it's just, like, the idea of time and previous experiences being shared in the same location is just something that very, very much fascinates me. It always has. Yeah, no, um, my, my childhood home, which I am currently living in, I... Is, is quite old um and my father has a book that was a memoir written by a woman who grew up here in gonna say turn of the century late hmm. 1800s early 1900s um and there's a bit where she describes coming down the stairs and her uncle's playing piano and i remember my father reading it to me and being like that's our stairwell and i'm like cool <laughs> See, I would, I would have freaked out, been like, "Yeah, that's so weird." It's that it's our stairwell. I get it now. Like, I, I feel that because it's um, there's, like, well, I have this you're... thing where like I take ownership of minor historical figures. Like, I'm obsessed with Judith Resnick, who's the first Jewish American woman to go to space. Oh, okay. I, that name did sound familiar. Yeah. She she died in the in the Challenger disaster. That went that wow. 
You know, I was thinking, like, did she die in one of those disasters? And I was, yeah. Yes. Okay. That was, I was thinking it was either that one or the one that happened in, like, 2003 or whatever. That would be the Columbia was... disaster. Yeah. Moon 2024, let's go. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I really like the way she describes communicating with this unknown woman of, um, for she is unknown, or if known, she has never been mentioned to me. It pleases me to know that her taboo message made it through to at least one other person. A washed up on the wall of my cupboard was opened and read by me. Sometimes I repeat the words to myself. They give me a small joy. There is a, a similar experience that I've had to that kind of thing, wherein I was an intern on a uh, documentary called Gleason. Go check it out. It's on Amazon. <laughs> and uh, one of my jobs, my main primary jobs during the internship, was watching old video footage, video journals, that the main subject, Steve Gleason, would leave for his uh, yet then-unborn son because he had ALS and he was dying and he wanted to leave his voice and his messages for his son in case he died before he was born. And listening to those, it, was, it felt both intensely uh, invasive and very, like, intimate and personal to hear these stories told from him to somebody who he was never directing it towards. Yeah. These, like, the stories he told, the, the lessons he, he taught, the things he said. He, I mean, he's still around. I, I use passive, but he, he's still around today. And it was it's that same sort of sense of, like, this moment, it's not something that you can control if you're the person from the past. But if you're in the future, it, it's weirdly connective in a way that doesn't really transfer in any other context or scenario like this. It's like a, a it's like a full-on, not time-traveling, but it's like a message from the past. And it's very, it's very special. And to completely interrupt the heartfeltness uh, of, of that moment, it reminds me of the episode of Doctor Who, Blink, in which uh, the Doctor is communicating to people in the present via um, DVD Easter eggs. Oh my god, that's brilliant! Perfectly timed, based on a transcript of someone that is written down of what the woman is going to say. Wow, that's that's ridiculous. I have to watch that. I haven't watched Doctor Who, but that that's oh, pretty Blink amazing. is like the best episode of of new Doctor Who. At least I haven't seen any of the old Doctor Who, but Blink Blink huh. is widely considered to be a really great episode. Wow, that's that's powerful. Um, do you have like? Have you had an experience like Offred's, Elsie, like where you discovered something that was maybe private from somebody from long ago that you found and that belongs to you? That's like a moment that now belongs to you. I don't think so. Hmm. I, that I guess it's very much specific. like a, a like open response prompt there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. It's just like I feel like there's. I feel like it's one of those things that is more universal than we know, more oh, universal yes. than it sounds, because it sounds very specific. Um. I mean, I've I've certainly found fiction that I have claimed ownership of, like The Handmaid's Tale. Oh yeah, that that could also be it. Like, I mean, when you read this, you have to wonder, or when you read anything from like from the past, like, do you wonder if the author intended for somebody who looks and sounds like you, Elsie, to be reading that, to be experiencing and understanding the story that they're telling? Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I mean. I when, sort of you know, when had the opposite of that where um, some I, I love this documentary called Best of Enemies, which is about hmm. the debates between Bill Buckley and Gore Vidal um, in the late 60s. I can't remember specifics. Um, and 
in the documentary, they talk a lot about this book called Myra Breckenridge, which Gore Vidal wrote, which is about a transgender woman and it's sort of a satire of sexual politics. So I thought, oh my God, I'll love this book. And I started mm-hmm. reading it and it was terrible. Oh. Um, because it has really aged quite poorly. Um, I would imagine, yeah. And it's sort of like he did not expect someone like me to come along and read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just has not held up well. I mean, like, even the stuff that we create, like, the videos that, that you make, Elsie, like, do you think there's, like, I'm sure that long after YouTube is destroyed and all the videos are put somewhere else in <laughs> in space or something, I don't know, like, if they, if they start, start transmitting all the videos, including yours, do you think some alien will watch your Girl Defined video and be like, man, this is really, it was really introspective. I really appreciate this. <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. The, there's a, a, a Latin poem that I was made to translate on, like, my first day of Latin class uh, that the title, I cannot remember in Latin, but it's, I have built a monument more lasting than bronze. Mm. And I remember the teacher saying, like, well, do you think he was right? And the class not really knowing how to respond and the, the teacher being like, I mean, we're reading his poem that the 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 monument, we are consuming it you know, some hundreds of years after he died, um, if not thousands. I'm just imagining him saying that and somebody in the background going like, <coughs> it's like in the, like a, like a really like, like there's just nothing registers. Cause that... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of conceited to be like, my work will outlast me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, sometimes, sometimes not always it's true. Yeah. No, I, I think that, that's sort of the interesting thing about Best of Enemies as a documentary is it talks about the fact that both of their work is probably not going to last. I mean, you talk to people today about Bill Buckley and Gore Vidal. They're not really household names. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think Bill Buckley's publication, National Review, is is relatively popularly known. Okay, who is Gore Vidal? I keep thinking I know who that person is, but I don't think I do. Um, so he's a, a fiction writer primarily yeah. but he he did a lot of screenwriting was very interested in hollywood um and was involved with politics also he ran for congress at one point didn't win um wow nice uh he he writes a bunch of books about important american historical figures um let's see oh, let's see yeah. how wikipedia describes gore vidal <clears throat> eugene luther gore vidal was an american writer public intellectual writer and public intellectual known for his patrician manner ep- epigrammatic epigrammatic wit and polished style of writing you, are they saying his grammar was epic no so it's in uh, in epigram is a brief interesting memorable and sometimes surprising or satirical statement so like gore vidal is known for saying um they're two things you should never say no to sex and appearing on television oh okay yeah it's like uh was it oscar wilde he was he did a lot of the yeah, same stuff he's too very, he's a very oscar wilde-esque figure um yeah. yeah and the other one which is what my father likes to quote is uh it's not enough to succeed others too must fail also he's in gattaca oh my what yes oh. he, he, he just like plays a character in gattaca hmm. like it's I... not it's not a cameo. He just plays a minor character. I, we're getting really off track. Um, yeah. Um, 
Speaking of science fiction, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's weird how we've like kind of jumped to like the more sentimental uh, value of Offred's experience in the the second half of the chapter instead of the first half where she's describing her times with Luke, which. I was going to, like, be all cutesy and be like, which I'm sure were totally platonic and just, like, they were playing uh, the, uh, N64 together. No, they just, they're having sex. They're like, having that's sex. Cr- um, yeah. But there's always something kind of romantic about it, the, the sneaking out together. And, mm-hmm. and she, Oh, she, absolutely. She describes the, 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 the fear of it, it being just an affair. Why did we, we say just... Yeah, um, like I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, we were both ha- we both have a shared mutual uh, love of Disneyland, and <laughs> I thought about the fact that there are people who will sneak out, like who will try and exit its small world and try and go in somewhere in the ride to go and you know have sex. And <laughs> I, was gonna, I was trying to like come up with some kind of like euphemism, but I, I got nothing to um, make sweet sweet love. Yeah, um, and uh, I was wondering like. Like, why do people are so interested in doing that? Like, it's it's a weird part of, like, the security of keeping horny teenagers and horny just couples from just sneaking away during theme park rides and having sex. Because, like, it can't be practical. Yeah. But it's, it's because it's not about practicality. It's about the... It's about the it's adventure. It's about having done it. It's sort of this laying claim thing. Yeah. And, I mean, plus... Okay, I'm not going to get too personal. But, like, I get it. I understand the 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 rush like like I I think about it yeah. I'm like you know what I get it and I think that's I think it's a good uh, it's not like weird I don't think it's a weird sentiment I'm kind of glad that everybody's on the same page that it's not weird to have those kind of thoughts to have those yeah. kind of like yeah intentions yeah no my 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 high school had what was called um, well I can't say it without saying the name of the school but name of school challenge in which you att- endeavored to have sex in all of the buildings in the school. Holy sh... What? Okay, yes. and did anybody succeed? I don't know, but probably yes. I mean, how many buildings were there? Many. Um, wait, let me let me think this through. Okay, so... There was the science building, the art building, um, the music wing, the, like, dining hall, the, like, math building, the, the old gym, the new gym... Oh, the English and History building. So it's um, like seven? Eight. Eight? Yeah. Jeez. Having yeah. sex with somebody eight times. That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> utterly ridiculous. That's the ridiculous part. Um, yeah, no, and I think, so this is really the first appearance of the theme of, of what is love. Baby, don't hurt me. Um, <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I knew it. Mm-hmm. I, I just you enabled that to me. happen. No, um, I can't. I, yeah, because she talks about how, how was I to know that he loved me? It might just be be an affair um you know i that really hit me when i first read it that really because yeah and and the bit where she's like at the time men and women tried each other on casually like yes rejecting whatever did not fit my favorite line oh it was so good because it's just such a brilliant like it's it's true it's a hundred thousand trillion percent true yeah um i I, I think it sort of begs the question to what degree has, like, Gilead conquered her remem- her memories of the, the past, though, as well. Um, because that's the the idea that love in the, the previous era, because era, it says, though, at that time, um, 
that love in the previous era was frivolous and and vapid. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. I, I feel like it's a very Gileadian idea, and maybe one that is not necessarily true. Um, this sort of goes into what I would consider one of the uh, most cleverly dirty parts of the chapter, and I don't know the book so far. The stains of the mattress, like dried flower petals. Oh yeah, yes. Sure. Not recent. Old love. There's no other kind of love in this room now. Now, I want to point this out uh, because I'm that guy that my first instinct when I read this, and I do mean my first thing, was to think about one of my favorite dirty jokes of all time, which is in Guardians of the Galaxy 1, where he goes, if I had a blacklight in in this ship, it would look like a Jackson Pollock painting. It's yes. like, it's the sa- it's same thing, okay? Same thing. The yeah. evidence left by two people. My God. Alfred. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. I feel like her reaction to it is very similar to my own reaction to such things. Because, like, so, because I'm a college student, I live in a dormitory, and you hear people having sex. Like, yeah, I, somewhat yeah. regularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, not all the time, because I go to women's college, so, like, there's only so many, so much pairing off you can do. Um, but, like, I swear, whenever I walk past, like, a room where I hear people having sex, it's just, like, you know, the, the, the gif from Arrested Development where they're, like, good for her. Yeah. That, that is exactly my reaction. I'm, like, good on you, getting some. Last time I heard that, that was my same, like, I was in my, I was in the hostel I'm staying in, and (laughs) it was happening, and instead of stopping it, because I maybe should have, because, you know. That would probably freak out anybody else around. I was like, you know what? Let them have their fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, let those crazy kids have their fun. Yeah. Also, like, like this is like the it's if they stay in hostels, they probably don't get a chance to do this often. So, props to them, I guess. I have to wonder, um, like, there is, you know, what is to be done? What is to be done? I thought there is nothing to be done. They also serve who only stand and wait or lie down and wait. I know why the glass in the window is shatterproof. I took down the chandelier. I want to feel look lying beside me, but there wasn't room. Like, it's as if this hotel room, the room that isn't hers, with, again, a man that isn't hers, in, you know, in that same, like, you get, you get what I'm saying. It's a yes. phrase. That, like, she's kind of comparing the fact that nothing really is hers. That her life is defined by experiences that she kind of participates in, that she is at, that she is required to do, but never really, like... It's. It feels like it's almost a character struggling with the very concept of autonomy. Yeah, and I think that's that's very accurate and a, a reasonable response to the situation that she's in. Um, yeah, she really doesn't have any autonomy, and I and we see that as well with um, what she talks about about the hotel rooms, where she says uh, there were postcards too, pictures of the hotel on them, and you could write on postcards and send them to anyone you wanted. It seems like an impossible thing now, like something you'd make up. Mm-hmm. Um, that like the, the very act of sending a letter is like an impossible, like feat of autonomy that she, she can't really fathom anymore. Oh, I, I really like the sort of after the bit you were talking about of, I, I want to feel Luke lying beside me, the, the line where she says, I have them, these attacks of the past, like faintness, like faintness, yeah. a wave sweeping over my head. That like her flashbacks are framed as being like this kind of disease that she's trying to 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 suppress. Yeah, or, or, it's, like, or it's like a part of herself is like grabbing her by the shoulders and be like, remember, just, just remember, come on. 
Alfred, please. Like, I just, I need you on, like, I need you on this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but I agree, yes. And I feel like, maybe not in the same way, we all have those attacks of the past, in, in a sense. Yeah. But they're not as dire. But they're they're not of good memories. They're of bad ones. Because we don't remember the good memories because... Well, but sometimes you have attacks of the past of good memories, and it hurts. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, because I you say wonder, as someone you know, who went through a breakup last week. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, I was, I think my frame of reference was just, here are all the stupid things you did in high school. Oh, yes. Remember all these things. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's that my feel pet. at like 12.30 at night when your brain decides to be like, hey, remember that stupid thing you did in fourth grade? Yeah. Yeah, I wish it only happened at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you're trying to fall asleep and it's just like, wham. I have had similar things happen to me uh, that I can't. I can't speak about publicly because I can't be because com- I gotta maintain the self brand or whatever. Um, but yeah, of those of those things of like attacks of the past and things you should have done or could have done, and it it drives you, it drives you mad. And maybe that's really what you know. Maybe that's also something that Alfred struggles with, and that she is unable to process what could have been done if she could have done anything yeah. to prevent any of this from happening, any of her own, like, even all the way to, like, to the, the rise of the, uh, of the Galadian Republic, like, none of this could have been stopped by one person. Exactly. What I'm, sa- what I'm saying is Gilead is a metaphor for climate change. That's, that's the <laughs> end story of every, every story. <laughs> well, and, you know, arguably large ecological disaster is why Gilead happened, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, global warming is real, even in The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, man. Um, I wonder how they d- deal with it. <laughs> you think in the Galadian, uh, you think in the uh, Republic of Gilead, they all agree that climate change is real. Like everybody just agrees. Like it's like, like oh yeah, well, no, no, uh, yeah, the, climate science is. In the television program, they like manage to fix their crops and like seriously subdue pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're eco fascists. Yeah, which is. Just a weird title on its own, though. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. And just stepping back from her experiences in the hotel room, I think there's just something very powerful about like running away with somebody to a hotel room for yeah. a night. You know, and it's a very—I mean, I don't know about you, Elsie, but I think about this kind of scenario myself. Like, just like I imagine, like I go, I see a hotel, and I just imagine what if this kind of thing happens in there. And the fact, and I think it's some more of a universal thought than than I might, than we might think. And for her to use that as the pretext for like, man, I used to be so unsure, uh, I used to be so unsure of myself, of Luke, of our relationship, of everything back then. It's it, it, it's a nice cold reminder of what's actually at stake in this idealized scenario that I think we all have at one point or another. The anxieties we feel, like, hey, is this real? Is this like... <laughs> Like, is this actually, or is this just, like, in the heat of the moment kind of thing? Because I think I'm feeling something, but I don't know about Luke over there. He seems like he's, you know... Yeah, and it's exactly the type of love that doesn't exist in Gilead anymore. Yeah. Old love. Old love. Um, And I, I enjoy her description of, like, how terrible the decor of hotel rooms are and how she yeah. misses them. I was careless in those rooms. Yeah. Lift the telephone and food would appear on a tray. Food I I had chosen. Just like, like just her kind of like reveling in this in this weird time before like 
organized uh, insanity. Yeah. Of like, yeah, everything belonging in order and, like, you know, this is the place where you wait. This is the place where you sleep. Like, there, I, there, I used to be so reckless, like, ordering food service. Who yes. Even, who even does such a thing anymore? Yeah, and I like the mention of the Bibles. There were Bibles in the dresser drawers put there by some charitable society, though probably no one read them very much. And like this line is sort of this twofold thing where on the one hand, you have this idea of like, oh, like the time before people weren't very religious, you weren't forced to read the Bible. It was just sort of there all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, you have this idea again of the freedom of reading that like people were so careless back then that like you could just like pick up a bible and read it and like now it's not it's just it's not even like you know it used to be in abundance yeah it's like and now it just doesn't really exist which um i feel like that kind that's a that's a very primal response to change yeah like even something as small as like there used to be this kind of food everywhere and now it's just not there anymore and it's just a very like because it's so instant it's so it's such a, it's such like a sensory thing of like, I see a food, I, I smell it, or I see this or that. And it just like, it just hits you that it's gone, that it's not there anymore. And, and, it, and it messes with you because human nature is, at least it seems to be designed to reject and resist change. I like, I like the, the description we get that of the, the version of the other offer that she's completely made up. Yeah. Um, that we get. Uh, quirky, jaunty, athletic, with a bicycle bicycle once, a knapsack for hiking, freckles, I think, irreverent, resourceful. That it's it's sort of this, like, crueler alter ego. Mm-hmm. The person that we all wish we could be. Yeah. And it's also sort of, she she imagines the previous offer as, as being her friend Moira. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, like, you know, her friend from college who was like hanging out with her in the room yeah when she was thinking back about it yeah god i i wonder if we'll find out what happened to moira i i don't i have a bad feeling we won't but i i have to wonder in this context what happened to her yeah probably not good Pro- probably not good <laughs> i feel like I there's mean, like this book, no one in this book that we find out what happened to them and it's a good thing it's like we learn it like Luke is actually a happily married commander. He's a yeah. Oh boy, would that sure. be a twist? He was he's, yeah. gone, he's gone back to his his old wife. That's that's what happened. Yeah. They and they and they left for another country. I I don't know what the logistics of that is like. Logistics of that is like, do you like did people try to leave the country or I don't know. Um, is there still a Canada? Is what, is what I'm really asking. <laughs> well, I mean, there's still a Japan. Yeah, and we at least know there's Japan. So soldier on, Japan. <laughs> soldier on and keep looking at uh, Handmaid's weird. Like, what? what are they wearing? God, it's so weird. <laughs> and I like the fact that when she's talking to Rita, she's like, yeah, the one with the freckles. Yeah. I, I like, like, <laughs> it's Alfred's OC. <laughs> <laughs> Who's totally not Moira. Yeah. Or if Moira was her OC the whole time, and we only know Moira as as somebody that Alfred remembers. How how could we even know if Moira even exists in the first place? Well, it's sort of true with like all of the characters we meet. We're we're completely at the whims of Alfred's narrative. Yeah, it turns out Moira was basically just Damien. Anybody? <laughs> Anybody out there? Anybody? All right. There's there's your there's your old school literature reference for the day. I I didn't get that reference. What what, what book, Damien? What was the a, a reference to? 
uh, I, I read it in AP English. It was like a, a kid with like a, a guy in like World War One who has like a friend named Damien or a brother, and it's like it's kind of implied that it's the devil and also just kind of like a manifestation of the worst parts of the main character. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's called Damien or something or or something like devil. It's very obviously devil or some kind of like yeah. <laughs> I feel like Satine, whenever in fiction you meet a character named Damien, they're like always evil. Yeah, no, always. Every time like it's it's like guys, you you're not you're not that clever. You just like <laughs> come on guys. Um Yeah, it's like it that the fact that we are that we have to listen to you know as we've talked about before on the show the uh, the quote 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 unreliable unquote, yes. unquote 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 narrator in that she's just kind of in that we have both agreed she's just doing her best so the well-intentioned narrator um, recounting everything we have to we have to make sure that we trust everything that she says in a world that doesn't really seem kind uh, keen on trusting her yeah even as we saw at the very end of the chapter bam what was that it was a segue I didn't even intend that that was a segue to the last part um, about her asking about the woman that left the market yeah and I like I like the the final two lines of the chapter of I am like a child here there are some things I must not be told. What you don't know won't hurt you, was all she would say. I, do, okay, Elsie, have you met a friend who does this to you? Who, like, every time they say, like, every time you want to know something about, like, something more, about something personal something, and they're like, uh, they're not going to tell you, like, because you, you don't really need to know about it. You have that friend or that acquaintance? No. I mean, there was, like, one girl in elementary school where you'd be like, oh, like, why do you have a different snack than the rest of us? And she'd be like, I can't tell you. It's a secret. And you're just like, I, I, you don't have to, like, be this defensive. I, I was just wondering. <laughs> I wasn't going to press you on this. Yeah. I mean, this is... <laughs> I've had landlords like this. I've had like some of my best friends have acted like this. It just it's such a it's such an infuriating and frustrating notion that somebody does not trust you or does not trust your persona to contain the information that they have. Even though you damn well know that you could. Like it's it you know, it's kind of a good metaphor for how Alfred feels, like trapped and confined in a world that doesn't like that doesn't really know what to do with her outside of the thing that they are told that she needs to do. Yeah. What you don't know won't hurt you. What you don't know won't hurt you. At some point, we'll leave this house again in, uh, I want to say, uh, 30 chapters. And yeah, no, hopefully... I, I think... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm thinking... Um... No, we get to leave the house in two more chapters. Okay, cool. All right. The, 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 the house saga continues. But, but only very briefly, and then we come back. Um, cause then oh, we have, man. Then we have nap, and then we have household. Um <sighs> She takes a nap. She she takes yes. You know, I'll see. I I I saw my recommended feed an old video of yours called "The Handmaid's Tales: A Book About Nothing Happening and Why It's Okay." And I'm wondering why that's I'm wondering great. Just how tr- actually, <laughs> and I'm wondering just how true that really is. It's cause- so true. People are like, it's terrible. It's really boring. And I'm like, it's not boring. It's just a book where nothing happens. Yeah. I mean, like. Most dramas are just people just sitting around talking about stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, we're we're in the section called waiting room, so this is just sort of we're waiting for something to happen. What the Handmaid's Tale is, is loading? We haven't figured out yet. Yeah, but 
soon, soon it'll become kind of obvious what we're waiting for. What could be around the corner for us in, in this grand journey of waiting? Tune in next week to find out. Yeah. <laughs> I should end every episode with that with a cliffhanger of like what will happen next in the Handmaid's Tale. Tune in next week or or just read the chapter. Yes, or or just just like just read the whole book. I mean, if you want to know what happens, like you can just just read the book. Yeah. Um and uh if you and for the record, if you're like halfway through the Handmaid's Tale and you're thinking, I don't need to hear all this stuff. You can just jump to the chapter. We try our best not to. We try our best to make every episode contained on the chapter and not necessarily on our own discussion. Yeah. You know, even and if we bring up why we have such things. fun chapter names, so that yeah. you can tell them apart and jump at ones that interest you. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I think that that does it for us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Yovcast. Um, Elsie, if people want to find your wonderful stuff, where where should they look? Oh, I don't know, man. They should, they should probably look on Twitter for at the Muse Sappho and yeah. on YouTube for Sappho of Lesbos. And also mm-hmm. Instagram is the same handle as my Twitter. Just, you know, check check it out. Where should they find you, Max? They should find me on YouTube, Max Mariner, and they should find me on Twitter at Mr. Mr. Max Mariner. You know, that's also my Instagram handle. And if you're wondering, hey, I want to know more about what's going on with the Ufcast, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Ufcast. And if you uh, have conquered Elsie's high school challenge uh please be please be sure to email us we'll have you on the show <laughs> but you have to talk about the handmaid's tale you're not allowed to yeah. talk about how you won the high school challenge you can yeah. only talk about the handmaid's tale i don't want to hear about your teenage and also, sexual exploits you have to have conquered the challenge at the school that i attended which i am not naming you just have to figure out where i went to high school best of luck <laughs> I was more so assuming that somebody from your high school would read this because would listen to this because oh, it's you. I don't I don't speak to anyone I went to high school with. <laughs> I I love that. Alright guys, um All right. until next time. Until next time. Praise be. Praise be. Praise be. See you next week. See you next week.